Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, September 3rd, 2017, on the basis of Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 22. During the past 21 days, two cities have captured our collective attention as Americans. Charlottesville, Virginia, and Houston, Texas. In the images and video that came out of Charlottesville a couple of weeks back, we saw what might rightly be described as America at its very worst. We saw racism and hatred and violence on full display. And yet in contrast, in the images and video that came out of Houston this past week, we saw what might be described as America at its very best. We saw images like this. People bringing their boats or or whatever means they had at their disposal to help rescue other people. We saw images like this. The furniture store owner who opened up his showroom so that people could find shelter and stay dry. We saw images like this. A long line of citizens of Houston standing there, not, not waiting to receive help, not waiting to receive food or aid, but waiting to volunteer, waiting to help other people out. In Houston this past week, we saw bravery, selflessness, and compassion on full display. So two cities that have captured our attention for very different reasons. Here's the question I want us to think about this morning. Which of the two is the real us? Now, we might like to be able to to quickly say that both as Americans and even just as human beings, It's the bravery and the compassion and the selflessness that are our true colors and the hatred, the racism, the violence, those are just aberrations. We'd love to be able to say that Charlottesville is nothing more than an exception and that Houston is the rule. And yet as we turn our attention to the verses from Paul's letter to the Ephesians that are in front of us this morning, we're we're going to see what causes people to act with hatred and hostility toward those who are different from them. We're going to see what what causes things like what happened in Charlottesville, and we're going to see that it is a problem that isn't simply possessed by only a few bad apples among us. Rather, it is a problem that all of us share in common, even if it is usually expressed in much less extreme ways. And yet, thankfully, we're also going to see that in Christ, we have a unique an unrivaled solution to that problem. In fact, in these verses, the Apostle Paul uses a common biblical metaphor to describe Christians. He compares them to a city. And he wants us to know something very important about that city. He says, in the city of God, those walls of hatred, hostility, and prejudice that are so often built between people, especially between people who are different, those walls just don't exist. Paul's message is simply this, that there are no walls in the city of God. As we look at these verses this morning, we're going to first of all see why people so often put those walls up, and then we'll see how God, in and through the work of Christ Jesus, tears those walls down. So why do people put up walls? Why is it so easy for us to distance ourselves from and even demonize people who are different from us? Well, in Paul's day, that was going on between the Jews and the Gentiles. You see, God had chosen the nation of Israel. He had chosen the Jews for a very special purpose. They were the nation through whom the Savior of the world was to be born. And in keeping with that purpose, God had given the Jewish people a very special set of laws that governed nearly every facet of their life. Those laws made the Jews very different from 
the Gentiles, a term that simply means everyone else, all the nations around them. The Jews had a different diet and a different dress code. They had a different calendar and different holidays. They were just very, very different. And yet, in these verses, Paul doesn't say that the wall between Jew and Gentile simply consisted of their differences. No, in fact, those differences were actually intended to be a blessing. As we heard in today's first reading, those differences were intended to, to draw attention to the Jew draw attention to the Jews, to, to serve as this powerful magnet that brought the Gentiles in and introduced them to the one true God. No, the, the differences between Jew and Gentile weren't the wall, but unfortunately what happened is that over time the Jews used those differences as a point of pride, as a reason for feeling superior to their Gentile neighbors. The Jews treated the Gentiles with contempt. They talked about the Gentiles with scorn and derision. And as you can imagine, that had a very negative effect on the Gentiles. Rather than those differences drawing the Gentiles in, it actually repulsed them and drove them away. And so the wall that Paul talks about in these verses, again, it's not simply the differences between Jew and Gentile. Rather, it's the hatred and hostility that resulted. So why do people put up walls? Why do we act with hatred and hostility toward those who are different from us? How, how does something happen like what happened in Charlottesville a couple weeks back? Well, in the aftermath of that awful weekend, you maybe saw there was being circulated a very famous quotation from the late Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela once said this, No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love, for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Now, Nelson Mandela was right about at least one thing. The differences between people, whether those are differences of skin color or background or religion, those differences are not the cause of the walls that are so often built. No, again, the differences between Jew and Gentile were actually created and put in place by God himself. And yet what Nelson Mandela fails to accurately diagnose is that there is in fact a very insidious and incurable spiritual problem that all of us are born with and leads us to hate. That problem is pride, self-righteousness, this idea that our value and our worth, our identity and purpose, our approval before God, and ultimately our worthiness for eternal life, this idea that those are things that we must produce, that we are responsible for, that we must generate. And because deep, deep down we know that we cannot attain those things absolutely, we instead pursue them relatively. We pursue them in comparison to other people. And then suddenly all of those differences that exist between us and others, they serve as excellent fodder for our comparison game in pursuit of our self-righteousness. Now suddenly a different custom or culture or idea is not just different. No, one is better and one is worse. And because I've convinced myself that mine is better and someone else's is worse, that also makes me better and that other person worse. And boom, the wall goes up. So for example, maybe the fodder for this comparison game is age-related. We might say, 
who understands these young people these days, these millennials, right? I mean, they're, they're lazy, they're entitled, they're so emotionally fragile, they're probably better at, at having a conversation on their phone using nothing but emojis than they are of looking someone in the eye and conversing face-to-face. Maybe, our, maybe the fodder for our comparison game is more political. Can you believe that person would be so stupid as to have voted for so-and-so? How can that person not see the clear superiority of my position about the environment or foreign policy or immigration? Maybe the fodder for our comparison game is economic. That poor person is just lazy. They need to go out and get themselves a job. Or that rich person is so selfish and greedy, must be nice to have been born with all of the advantages that they were that helped them get ahead. Friends, when that is us, when we are like that, the worst part of it, the real tragedy in that is not simply that we might say something mean to someone else or hurt their feelings. It's not even that we would treat someone poorly. It's not that we would even make ourselves look utterly foolish with our angry tirades on social media or standing around the grill at the family Labor Day gathering. No, the real tragedy is the problem, the real spiritual problem of which those things are a symptom. The real tragedy is that the engine that is driving those things is pride and self-righteousness thinking that our worth and our value, our identity and purpose, our approval from God and worthiness for eternal life are things that we need to produce. That is inevitably why walls go up. And friends, an accurate understanding of that already gives us a little bit of a hint about how those walls are going to come down. You know, it's interesting that, that in all of this conflict, between Jew and Gentile in Paul's day. And it wasn't just even in the city of Ephesus. It was really all over the place. It was a problem that the New Testament church dealt with for decades. In all of that conflict, never once did God say that the solution was that the Jews started, needed to start acting a little bit more like the Gentiles or that the Gentiles needed to start acting a little bit more like the Jews. In fact, never once did God propose a compromise, a meeting in the middle. Let's take the best of both worlds and come up with this new third way of living and get everybody on board. No, God's strategy for tearing down these walls was never to eliminate the differences between people. So what was God's strategy? Well, before we take a look at what Paul says, I want to show you one more picture from Houston this past week. Now, without knowing anything about the two people in that picture, I'm guessing it's pretty easy to imagine that they were pretty different. Obviously, we can see that one is a man and one is a woman. It seems pretty evident that they are different races. We might imagine that they had very different backgrounds and upbringings, very different ideologies and ways of life. In fact, it is entirely possible that back on, October, back on November 8th, one of them voted for Donald Trump and one of them voted for Hillary Clinton. So let me ask you this. Before he picked her up, before she agreed to let him, do you think they had to have this big, long discussion where they hashed it all out? Where they smoothed over all of their differences? No, obviously not, right? So what had happened? Well, obviously something much, much bigger 
than any of the differences that separated them. Something much, much bigger was now something that they shared in common. You know, it kind of makes me wonder whether we'd all start treating each other a whole lot better if the same kind of catastrophic tragedy that struck down in Houston this past week would just strike all of us or our entire nation. I'm pretty sure it would have a way of bringing us all together. And when you think about it, that's not a far cry from the solution that Paul points us to in these verses. In order for the walls that go up between people to, to come down, in order for God to tear down those walls, Paul does not try to eliminate the differences that exist between people. No, Paul instead points us to a different wall. You see, every single time that, that we pick up a brick and we put it in a wall that separates us from someone else, we might think that we're adding to our own worth and our own value. It might make us feel a little bit better, but the reality is that every single time we do that, we are putting another brick in the wall that separates us from our God. Every single time we do that, every single time we build one of those walls of hostility that is ultimately caused by our pride and self-righteousness, we can rest assured that God is on the other side of that wall rather than on ours. That is the real catastrophe. That is the real problem that all of us are up against. And yet in his unconditional love for us, and in order to spare us from an eternal separation from God, God, of course, sent Jesus. God took all of the hostility that existed between him and mankind, and he directed it at Jesus. He transferred it to Jesus. He placed it on Jesus, and he punished it in Jesus. And because he did, because of Jesus' perfect life, because of his death on the cross, the wall of hostility between us and God has come crashing down. And now Paul says there is nothing between us and God except peace. We have direct access to God. He is our Father. We are at peace with Him. And friends, as a result, the most significant things about us, the things that more than anything else make up our Identity are not the things that make us different, but the things that we have in common. All of us come into this world on the other side of the wall from God. All of us are recipients of his love. All of us are beneficiaries of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And all who have faith in Jesus possess in full all of those things that we so vainly try to pursue on our own. Value and worth, identity and purpose, approval from God and worthiness for eternal life. We have those things in full measure through the work of our Savior Jesus Christ. Why in the world do we need to pursue them by being different from or comparing ourselves to someone else? No, friends, God doesn't cause walls of hostility between us and other people to come crashing down by eliminating the differences between us. Instead, he simply transcends those differences. He makes the most important things about us, not the things that make us different, but the things that we share in common. And that's what makes that biblical picture such a beautiful one, that God compares the people of God to a city. You know, you think about a city. A city would be a pretty boring place if everyone was 
exactly alike. I mean, imagine Madison, Wisconsin as being made up of 250,000 40-year-old white males who all work in middle management, play fantasy football on the weekend with their friends, and tend to vote the same way in elections. How boring would that be? No, in a city, differences are necessary. In a, di in a city, differences are to be celebrated. And yet, really, what makes a city is that all of the people of that city, the thing that, they, that, that is most significant to their identity is not what makes them different, but the one thing that they share in common. And friends, in the same way, with you and me, the most important part of our identity, the most significant thing about us is not what makes us different, but the thing that we share in common. We are citizens of a city. Not Houston, not Charlottesville, not Mount Horeb, not Madison. We are citizens of the city where God himself dwells, where we are at complete peace with him and have direct access to him. We are citizens of the city of God. That's the real us. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.